I am just fascinated by the way in which love gets paired with a person's gifts and personality. The way that love is, is just constantly folded in to our personalities and gifts and, and certainly our circumstances. I'm thinking about um, Dr. Lise Barber, who's a member of this parish. She's a, she's a, um, her specialty is palliative care. She's a wonderful person, but I know for a fact she's a great doctor, um, not because we've ever needed her services in my household, but because I've heard from a lot of families here that have had Dr. Barber when it was that time in their lives. She works for, for Kaiser. And, and there's this, this constant theme that I hear um, about being with Dr. Barber from some of our families. I've heard it about five times. And it goes like this, that the family had someone that was nearing the point of death, but there was just this, um, this holding on on part of the person who was dying, some, some block. And what Dr. Barber said to these families is, maybe there's something this person needs to hear something you could say. Maybe there's some reason why he or she, she or they are, are holding on a little bit longer. And in fact, that's exactly what needed to, be, to happen. Um, I think about one family in which what the, the, the gentleman really needed to hear was his wife to say, you know, I'm going to miss you, but I'm going to be okay. I'm really going to be okay. And he died shortly thereafter. I also want to take this opportunity to, to remind all of us that, that even when a person is not conscious, and Lee's would be the first, Dr. Barber would be the first to tell us this, even when a person is not conscious, they can still really need to hear something. Now, Dr. Barber is not a magician. It doesn't always work, but sometimes it does. So I think about how in Dr. Barber's life, love is paired with healing a gift for healing. Healing in this case, not being cured, but healing in this case, a, a deeper uh, form of healing, which is acceptance and release. I think about another member of our parish, Fran Trujillo. Fran Trujillo is a former head of school. And if you ever are looking for somebody to, to, to you need to, to hire someone or to serve on your committee or get something done, Trust me, hire a former head of school or principal. And Fran just really knows what she's doing. She's got just an organizational mind and is brilliant and knows how to herd cats and all of that. And we've got across the street, um, actually a few properties across the street, or a couple. We've got the Kimberly Apartments on the corner, and we've got the St. Francis Apartments at Cathedral Square, and we've got a, the fenced-in area, which some of you walk across, which has the labyrinth, and we've got encumbered parking with the Argonaut. Um, all of that's over there. And you'll hear more and more about that in the years to come, about how this stewardship uh, a task force is trying to make be better stewards of um, all of these properties. But at the St. Francis Apartments which has been open for a few years, there are about 50 people who live there who, who were uh, form formerly experiencing homelessness on the streets of Denver and moved dramatically in. It's overseen by the St. Francis Center. And Fran, from the very beginning, has been in charge of the relationship between our community and the community at the apartments. She does a great job of it, in part because she always reminds us and me um, that the real goal is to do something with 
the tenants at the apartments, not necessarily for. So every now and then people have a great idea, like I've got a closet I need to clear out, can we bring the coats over and give them to the people, or I've got some extra food, can we bring it over? And all those are good ideas, but Fran often reminds us that the best idea is not to do something for another group, but with. And so Fran is a, organizes birthday parties, and we go over, and she organizes lunches, and we go over, and she organizes um, when they need a priest to come over, I'll go do a burial for them and be with them. So I think about for Fran and that importance of the preposition with rather than for, I think about how love in Fran's life gets paired with wisdom. She's a real wise person. Also think about this three-year-old. Um, you know how in a moment all these kids are going to come down to the carpet? There's a three-year-old I know because I've been with him at camp and Two weeks ago, he came down, and I was assisting at the altar, which meant I was not reading. I was praying, but I was having to read. And I got distracted by the kids in the carpet, and he was sitting there with his legs crossed, and he looked like an angel. And then it came point the time for the, one of the high points in the Eucharistic prayer, which is the Sanctus, and he caught my eye, and he fell over as if he had died. <laughs> It's like some clergy's dream, isn't it, to die? You know, to, to... That's actually not my dream. but um, and, and I think about how, for that kid, and I've been around in a variety of situations, I mean, it's, it's love paired with humor or silliness, which is one of love's sweetest pairings. All of your lives... All of you, each and every one of you, um, all of your lives are a commentary, a wonderful commentary on this gospel reading about love. I know that you're not perfect. I'm certainly aware that I'm not perfect. But on our better days and our better moments, our lives are commentaries on this gospel reading. The reading is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's also a teaching of Jesus, one of his most important teachings about how love is always paired. The deepest forms of love are always paired with justice. The sharing of goods with, not just for, as Fran would put it. The sharing of coats, the sharing of our lives, the sharing of space, the sharing of stories, the sharing of all that we have and all that we are with one another, and not just sharing, but also receiving, because love always goes back and forth when it's with another person or with the community. And then the, the, the most difficult part of the teaching is undoubtedly Jesus' question to us, and I'll paraphrase it. If you only love people who love you back, what good is that? If you only love people who love you back, what good is that? Jesus' own life is the most profound commentary that we have on this teaching, of course. And Jesus certainly loved those who did not love him back. And it cost him his life. But the cross is, is simply in the background of this teaching, not in the foreground. What's, what's prominent and up front in this teaching is the invitation to love 
and to become children of the Most High. Children of the Most High. Children of the one who is love. The one who is kind. The one who is tender and continually giving. I love the image at the end of this gospel reading that the love we give returns to us, pressed down in our laps, and it comes from the Most High, which means it's just immeasurable. Um, I love that. You, you just start loving, you start trying to be more just, and there's just more and more of that love and justice to go around, isn't there? As is often the case, the collect for the day expresses all of this succinctly and poetically. It takes preachers like me about 10 minutes to say what the collect of the day says in about 10 seconds. And that opening prayer, collect, puts it like this. It gives praise that God will pour the Holy Spirit into our hearts and give us the greatest gift, which is love. And that's why for Episcopalians, for Christians, love is always paired with prayer. Always paired with prayer. We give thanks to God for acts of love and justice in the church and in the world whenever they occur and wherever they occur. And we pray continually when we need more of God's love, that God will, with God's help, deliver even more. And of course, we pray that petition each and every day of our lives.